On this episode, Retire ASAP, we're going to talk about your feelings. Uh, but seriously, we're talking about the emotions and the markets and what's going on in the world and what's going on with your portfolio. It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP show, where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike, and with me I have my trusty co-host, Brad Fike. What's up, Brad? Well, you know, I'm uh, just hanging out in the closet. I'm uh, in a fetal position because I'm all emotional, racked up from everything that's going on in the world. Depression has settled in. Markets are diving. There's nothing to live for. It's those types of things. Ripping me apart. I'm thinking about selling everything because everything's high right now, like except for stocks. But I'm thinking about selling the house, selling the boat, selling the other condo, the little one that we have. And then what I'm thinking about doing is buying a really cheap used RV. Oh, nice. Yeah. And live in that for like two years. Perfect. And you if we go like off the grid too, so get solar panels so you don't have to use any real no, electric. I don't or think go- I'd go that far, but I, I can. There's a couple places around here that we could rent cheap lot rent for a month for an RV, and I can get a cheap RV. I can hang out there. Can't get your mother to buy into this. So. Yeah, I have a feeling the whole, you know, the tiny bathroom and the no kitchen other than like maybe a tiny sink is just not going to fit her her lifestyle. She likes to she likes to have her space. Well, we're coming up to summer, so you could sit outside and you can have campfires every night, roast marshmallows and hot dogs. But you're going to have to camp somewhere that has a boat dock. No, I sold the boat. I'm selling oh, the boat. Selling At the this boat point, too. I would sell the boat. Boat's worth more than what I paid for it. The condos were both condos are worth more. This is time to cash out. Uh, sell yeah. high and buy low in two years. But you know what people are really thinking, and I know that you, this is this is the opposite of logic. What people want to do right now is they're going, well, the real estate market's really good, so maybe I should take my investments out of the market and buy a property. Oh, because yeah. that makes sense, right? You sell what I have that's low and buy what's high because you know that's doing really well. I should get into the thing that's doing well, get out of the thing that's not doing well. Isn't that how the how investments work? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we should all make emotional decisions like that. And that's today's topic, right? It is. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Uh, oh, what a lead-in! Wasn't planned either. No, it's and I feel like in a lot of ways this is this is the conversation uh, with people and money right now when it comes to investments is. What do I do? This thing's failing. It's not working the way it's supposed to. It's broken. We got to fix it. We got to go somewhere that is working. You know, so the the perfect emotional state, right? It's I'm afraid of what's happening with my investments, whether it's my 401k or my IRAs or whatever it is. I'm afraid of what's happening there. So I need to get out of that because that gives me pain. I don't want that pain anymore. I need to go away from that. I need to go to something that makes me feel good. I want to see something that grows. Like you know, the last two years, 20% a year for two years, or one year was almost 30%, you know, double digit returns. I need something like that. So where do I go find that? So I need to get out of the thing that's bad and get into the thing that's good. I need to buy low, buy high and sell low. Is that the, that doesn't make sense. Like, I mean, the, the emotional side of it is just a dangerous game to play when it comes to your investments. Well, see, I'm trying to use a logical side. I get exactly what you're saying. And that is truth. I'm trying to use a logical side. I want to sell everything high and buy an old RV, which is probably not going to cost much. It might be higher than what it should be worth, but it still would be cheap. Cheap, yeah. So I want to sell high and buy low, but I can't get your mother to do that. She does not want to make that change. I'll tell you. I Hi, honey. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I haven't talked to my wife, but you could always move in the basement and pay rent. I'd be okay with that. How much is the rent, though? Well, we'd have cheap. to negotiate. have to be really cheap. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you know rental, rental prices are a little higher these days, too. So, yeah, we have this emotional thing and this is not abnormal this is normal for most people right because money affects you in your heart 
It does. Whether you want it or not, some people don't have an emotional, heartfelt attack. They have it, but it's less than some people who are totally focused on their money. Yeah. And so the ones that are totally focused on their money have to work on or fight that emotion of the pain and pleasure, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the thing that we see. And so what I've talked to clients is, is where does that come from? Where does that pain and pleasure come from? Well, it's a natural instinct, first of all. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a survival instinct. instinct. It is a survival instinct. So I get panicky when things go down, stock market values of anything. When they, when it, when you feel like your money's disappearing, you're right. It's very painful. Mm -hmm. And so you're looking for a place to go. And if I run the cash, if I go put it in a money market, it's not painful any longer. But if you realize, use the logic on that, what just happened? Yeah, you you left the market, you sold it a low. So now you've locked in your losses. That's correct. It became a realized loss. So if you look on your statements, uh, some of the quarterly statements will show unrealized gain, unrealized loss, and then realized gain or realized loss. And unrealized means I haven't, actually lost money. The shares are all still there. They're down in value. The value on the statement goes down, but it can always come back. I haven't lost the shares, right? Yeah, you haven't lost your property. You haven't lost your ownership of those companies. Right. Just the value of each one of those units has gone down. Yes. So that's an unrealized loss. And as well, when they go up on the beautiful good days, when we made 20 or some percent or whatever it was the last couple of years, when it goes up, that is just the same amount of shares in general. I'm going to be easy because there is shares that go get dividends and capital gains and such. Yeah. But anyhow, the, let's say it's the same amount of shares. The price value goes up. And if you haven't cashed that out, it's an unrealized gain. It hasn't really been. A, it isn't a reality, right? That's sure. what unrealized, not a reality. And then when you actually do sell, if you sell when it's high, that's a realized gain. It's reality. I sold it. I made money. I'm going to pay tax on that. Okay, so don't forget when you sell when it's high, you're going to pay tax on it. Now, on the opposite, if the if the value per share goes down and I don't sell anything, I still have my shares. Just the value per share went down. It's an unrealized loss. That's not a reality yet. And it still has the potential to become an unrealized gain because you still own the same amount of shares. Right. And if history tells us it will always come back and come back higher than it was before. That's what historically tells. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to do that in the future, but that's what the history has always done. That's right. We always have to say at these moments, the nice little disclaimer that past performance doesn't predict future results. But at the same time, that's the best thing we have to go off of. So, yes, I'm not guaranteeing that tomorrow is going to be the same as what, what it was yesterday or five years is going to be the same as what it was five years ago. But what I am saying is the best guess that we have and the best estimate as to what's going to happen is based off of what's historically happened. So that's what we kind of have to lean on. It's not a guarantee by any means, but it is something to pay attention to. Yeah. And so if you don't sell those shares, you haven't in reality taken a loss as of, let's say today. Yeah. If somebody says, I want to sell, you know, X amount of, I I need a hundred thousand out of there. I don't really care. I got to get it in cash, whatever. You just made a reality out of that because you got rid of those shares, which have the potential to go up and down daily. And if I get rid of them, they're gone. Now they're sitting in a money market, which isn't going to go up or down. 
at this particular point in time. And you don't have a red and green light. So I just turned the red light on, took 100,000 out, put it in a money market in this example. And now I'm sitting there. Now, when do I go back in? When's the green light? Sure. Well, if you would, if you were to ask most people in America, the green light was, you know, December of last year, right? Because the markets had gone up 20% and 20%. They just kept going up. They didn't look like they had a ceiling to them. Maybe that's the time to get in. Well, if you just went by emotions and got in last December, you're in a lot of pain right now because you've been down since the time you got in, essentially. And so you have to take the emotional side out of it. And you have to really keep the idea that investing is a long-term game. You can't just focus on the next couple months. Even the next year, you can't focus on that. It has to be a long-term game. Three, five, eight, 25, 30 years, whatever it is. Exactly. And let's look at the market as it's been going down this year. So we peaked basically at the end of 21, right? Essentially, yeah. So it's been going down, up, down, up, down. I call it the yo-yo. Today, whatever the yo-yo is, it's either going up or today it's going down because it seems like every other day it goes up or down. And lately it's been bigger downs and it's been bigger ups. Now, that's we don't know, right? Right. So if what happens to people when they go to that cash? I'm sitting there. I'm looking for the green light. And they're always, they'll call us if they do that. Usually. Now, when I put somebody in that emotional, that makes that emotional move and absolutely tells me they have to after we've had multiple discussions, my point to them is you call me when you're ready to go back in because I'm not calling you mm-hmm. if that's what you're going to do because I don't know when the green light comes back on. Right. And you don't either, but I'm going to let you make your emotional move if that's what you want to do. Now, there's a lot of discussion before I get to that point. And sometimes they may even be sent out the door. we've done that with a few clients right now most of our clients 99 99.5 of our percent of our clients have no issue they understand this we've been through it over and over and if you're listening to your client then you know what we're talking about yeah if you don't know that and you're a client then you need to come in we need to go over it again (laughs) but anyhow so on the way down it's zigzagging its way down you don't know when that cliff's going to happen In 2008, the market started going down in the fall of 2017. It peaked in the end of the third quarter of 2017. 2007. 2007, I'm sorry. And then it started creeping very slowly, ups and downs, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. In October of 2008, the thing cliffed in one day, dropped. I forget the percentage, it was massive. Then dropped again in November, dropped again in January, hit the bottom in early March. It was like March 9th or something like that. And then, okay, so if people who went to cash are now sitting in cash through that after the cliff in most cases, because mm-hmm. it just nickel dimed you going down, which is kind of how we feel so far this year. Absolutely. So, but when the cliff hits, that's when people really jump off the cliff yeah. and they go to cash. Right. And so then the discussion is, well, when are you going to know to get back in? I don't know. So then in March, we hit the bottom. Well, nobody really felt like it was the bottom for probably another year. The market came back fairly decently in April, May, in the June, but it wasn't a straight up shot. Right. It was a yo-yo ride. So, mm-hmm. And then the news media, okay, the gossip media. I got a new name for them today, the gossip so media. So they're no longer just the fake news, they're the gossip All news. they do is tell you how bad things are, but they never have a solution, how somebody's going to go to jail and nobody ever goes to jail. What, you know, this is going on, blah, 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 blah. It's all negative. It creates emotion, but there's never a solution, and it's just all to get you worked up. And once you get worked up, 
then you're caught up in that emotion. You can't wait to turn that channel on, watch that guy or watch that channel tomorrow mm -hmm. because you just can't wait to hear the rest of the story. Right. And their and whole game is we got more viewership than the next channel and we get more for our advertising minutes. And really, it just ends <laughs> up being like the daytime soap operas is all the news it's media is exactly anymore. what it is. That's you know, why I say they leave you on the cliffhanger and then you're like, oh, I got to come back next week for the yeah. episode. And then you watch half the episode. You go, I, I didn't have any of my answers yet. I, same exactly. problems, different day. I got to see what's going on again today. That's just shut it off and you stay out of it, man. <laughs> it's like an addiction. But uh, so I'm out of the market in 08. Let's say April or October drop. And I'm out of it. I, I got to go to cash. And uh, so you go to cash and you're sitting there and you're like, okay, when do I go back in? Now we're back in the March is the bottom and it's starting to tick up and it's a teaser, right? It's a yo-yo ride up yeah. one day, down another, up a day. News media is going, oh, this could be a double dip recession. I remember hearing this for two years, maybe mm -hmm. three years. We're still, we're still potential for a double dip recession, which means, you know, you had your big dip, comes back, makes you feel like things are just beautiful. And then all of a sudden it drops again. And so what it does is it keeps those who went out afraid from going back in. And during that whole time, they missed almost all the ride back up. Exactly. And this is this is an interesting, um, you know, idea when you start seeing stuff in the markets is that the return that comes back after a market downturn is usually pretty quick. And I, I wish I knew the, the statistics off the top of my head, but in a lot of in a lot of ways, it's only a short period of time, like five to ten days of the year where the market makes the majority of its gains. And so how how out of three hundred and sixty five days, how do you find those five to ten good days? How do you know right. which one's gonna be the good day, which one's gonna be the bad? Because here's the thing, if you ride it all the way down and panic at the bottom, or even halfway down and panic halfway down, and then you go, Okay, I need to get back in. What happens if you get in on not one of those five to 10 days? Well, you're probably not going to make much money, right? And so you have to keep that in mind too, that there is no crystal ball in all this. So when you go out, there's no real good indicator of when to go in because there's always risk associated with investing. Yeah. And uh, so you're absolutely right. And I think it's like the, if you look at charts, we used to have the charts. We have them here somewhere Yeah. on the, if you miss the 20 best uh, days in the market coming back, that you, you cut your percentage, and I'm not being exact here, but you cut your percentage of return. It's it's like 50% or 40%. It's a high number. It's ridiculous. That you miss out on returns. And so it's like, you don't know, like you said, you don't know what day those are, and it's a yo-yo ride. One day it might be up 2%, next day down 1%, next day up a half a percent, next day down flat and let's say and then the next day up two percent you don't know you can't right. you you can't do it that's why we always say stay the course you can't get emotional here and i, I again i gotta say and i said 99.5 percent of our clients i don't know what the number is but i might even say 99.9 percent .9 of our clients get it all right they get that we've pushed it and pushed it stay the course and everything we do and that's true you can't make emotional decisions during times like this Right. With your money. But I understand, and you and I both understand, that it gets you right in the heart. Well, and that's where you, you got to start digging deep, right? Because I think a lot of people will come to us as an advisor, and they're just looking for us to give them financial advice, which is fine. I mean, that's, that's where professionals in, right? That's the, that's the business. But what they don't realize is that their money is so much deeper rooted in different parts of their life than it is just about buying things and selling things. And so if you've never taken that journey to actually look inside and go, okay, 
why am I getting emotional when the markets go down? Or why am I getting excited and joyous when the markets go up? Why are my emotions and these feelings tied to this thing, this piece of paper, essentially? Or in most cases, it's not even that. My computer screen or my phone screen is where you see your numbers at anymore. But why? The, the question is always why. And I think when we boil it down, we talk about all the time, is that money is a tool. It can't be the end-all, be-all. Your goal in life can't be just to become more and more wealthy just for the sake of being wealthy. You have to really look at the, the purpose of your money. What's your true purpose for money? What is it that you really want to use this tool to accomplish? Is it to give your family more financial security? Is it to spend more time and create more memories with your family? Is it to enjoy a hobby or be a part of something that's bigger than yourself? There's all kinds of different ways to use this tool in your life. But if you're not focused on what the tool is being used for and you're just focused on the shape of the tool itself and how much money I have and how much am I going to get and how much more can I get, then you are going to be an emotionally distraught person when you have money invested in the market, just how it is. Yeah. And I agree with the true purpose for money. That is an extremely important message for people because that does take the emotion away and puts it into the logical part of the brain, right? Right. Well, you were just talking about this before we went on air here. You were saying that you're talking to a client and he's a little concerned about what's going on in his portfolio. And he says, do I need to put more money in cash? Do I need to get out of the market more? And your response was, you have two years worth of income. When we did, when we did your financial plan, you have two years worth of income available to you that's not invested in the market. So why would we panic and take money out of the market today if you don't need any money out of the market for another two years, right? If that's the case, why are we panicking? And so, you, you know, you drill down into that emotion of it. Well, the reason he's, you know, he's concerned and, he, and he's worried about something like this is because he's getting emotional about something because he forgot that it's not about how much money's in the account. It's about living the lifestyle that he wants. And so if he wants to live this certain lifestyle, you have the money you need for the next two years. The markets will likely bounce back in the next two years before you need to get and refill that bucket again. Yeah. And so a good financial plan breaks down to the point to where you go, who cares what the market returns are? Yeah, we're going to design a portfolio that fits your needs. But at the same time, it doesn't matter if you lost money today because you should be set up to be stable for the next near future so that the markets can correct themselves and move around and grow before you need to access them again. Yeah. And I think we've, you know, that's part of the whole planning process and we have to be logical when we do all that. And, and so you look at the, you know, your plan and you go, when I get emotional, a hot state moment, we call that. And we've right. talked about that before on this podcast. It's been a while, but a hot state moments when I make really bad decisions or panicky decisions because I'm so caught up emotionally. And what we're talking about here is the money side of it, right? So mm -hmm. people get really emotional monetarily right now because bonds are down, stocks are down. I'm not getting anything. I'm, I'm just keeps going down. What are we going to do? You know, I got to get out. I got to do blah, blah, blah. And that's when you got to put a halt to it and go, look, we've designed this plan knowing that there would be ugly days. And this is the worst time to make changes to your portfolio. Absolutely. Don't change it while you're emotionally caught up. This is where you're going to lose money. And then five years, you're going to go, well, I worked for that fight guy and we lost money because I, you know, well, why did you lose money? Well, I made a bunch of changes or I went to cash. This is what happens when people have come to us in the sure. past. Mm -hmm. I remember after 08, I had clients that would come to me and say, oh, that guy, he, I lost a lot of money with him. And so my question always is, well, what happened? Why did you lose money? Well, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I went to cash and blah, blah, blah. Oh, you wait, 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 you went to cash in 08 and 09. 
yeah, well, you know, things were really bad, and so uh, he just put me in the cash. I go, well, there was your problem. You went, yeah. you, you got completely out of the market, and you didn't get back in until things were comfortable. Probably two years later, for most people, because it was a it was a tough climb back out. It was very emotional. I remember it very well. And you had to stay, you know, focused on your plan. And those people come back and they go, well, I lost 200,000, never really got it back. Well, it, whose fault was it? Now, it yeah. probably was your advisor and yours, mostly yours, but the advisor was probably complimenting you by going, oh, okay, we'll go to cash. Yeah. You know, we'll argue here for a long time with a client when they tell me that. And there's going to be a lot of discussion and you're about e- it. you're easier to argue with than me. I... It's you don't very, well, I, I do, but it's very rare because there has to be the right scenario. I don't, I just don't see it. If, if you chose to go into the market, and this is for all of our listeners, whether you do do it yourself, investor, or whether you're a client of ours, if you chose to go in the market, you knew that this year type of returns was a risk. Whether you say it or not, whether you recognize it or not, you knew. We had this conversation. We went through the numbers. Now, everyone likes to look at this stuff through rose-colored glasses, right? Everyone likes to look at their portfolio and go, yeah, well, I knew I could lose money, but I didn't know I could lose this much. Well, yes, you did. You signed on the paper that we have in our office, all these agreements to say, you can appreciate or depreciate the value of your investments. That, there's a pretty wide scale. And we go over in depth a lot of the different standard deviations and how low can you go type situations, worst case scenario. You have seen it. Now, you just have to own your own your decision because the reason you made a decision to go into a portfolio with that kind of risk that can go down as far as it's gone this year or as bad as it did in 2008 is because on the other end of the spectrum, it can go up just as much, if not twice as much or 10 times as much over long periods of time. You have to be patient. You have to own the decision and know, yes, I did take this risk. This is not my advisor's fault. This is a decision I made with my advisor. And I did it for my good because he wouldn't have done this for me, at least if you have a fee-based advisor that's a fiduciary. They wouldn't have done this for me if it didn't make sense for me. That's just how it is. Yeah, and always remember a fee-based advisor is not only invested, probably, at least we are invested in the same type of portfolio, same portfolio money managers that everybody else is, mm-hmm. maybe a little different risk than the next guy. And some of us all have the same risk. It just depends what risk factors we're in. But we're using the same stuff. So our own personal investments are involved in that. They're down and up just like yours. But also, you want to double down on that. Our income is based on the fee, which is based on a percentage of assets. So when you do better, our company does better. When you do worse, our company does worse. So not only does our company, our incomes go down, but also our investment accounts go down just like yours. So if you think that we're not trying to figure out how to make sure we're getting the best that we can get, then you are so wrong, right? Right. I mean, we're all, our skin is fully in this game one way or the other. Yeah. Well, I remember in 2020, you know, March, April, 2020, when the markets dropped like 30% in just a few months, I remember people calling me going, what do we need to do? Do we need to make changes? And my answer is no. And they said, well, what are you doing with your money? The answer is the same as you because I I'm do, I think what's best for you is the same thing that's best for me as an investor. And exactly why you said that is because my income is based off the, the amount that's in your account. So if I double your money in investment, I just doubled my income off of you. That's a good thing. Now, does that happen on a, you know, a six-month basis? Not very likely for me to double your money, but over long periods of time, you and I working together and having a good relationship, 
this makes sense for us, for us to do what's best for you because that's what's best for us. A lot of people don't realize that. They think we're just trying to scam them or, oh, you just want to keep my money in the market because you know that's how you get paid. Well, yes and no, but I get paid off of you making money. So yeah, I want your money in the market because I think you're going to make money there and then we're all going to make money together. So you have to keep that in mind that as long as you have a fiduciary as an advisor, he's on your team or she is on your team. It's not, it's not like we're against each other. Yeah, it's all about skin in the game. We're not selling stuff for commission and just holding your money then. I mean, right. that's that's that world's out there. But And I don't think that a lot of people think we're scammy. There, there's, there's people that do it yourselfers probably think that an advisor is somewhat scammy or maybe doesn't really have your best interest at hand. But uh, that's why they're doing it themselves, and that's fine. I, you yeah. know, if you have that feeling, more power to you. That's your that's your way of life. But people, there's a lot of people who do want to put trust and confidence in the advice that they're going to get. They're willing to pay for it. But just keep in mind that our skin is in the game even deeper than what yours is, and so we we do have your best interests at hand here. Yeah, we do. Well, and just to kind of wrap things up as we close some things out, I mean, it just comes down to plain and simple, finding what it is that is making you so emotional about your money. Ask that why question. What, why is it that when it goes down, you have that pit in your stomach? Is there something else that you need to talk about? And, and you know, some people need to go see uh, a professional and, and get some counseling and have that. And there's no, no shame in that. But a lot of people just need to do a little self-reflection. And just look in the mirror and say, why? And then kind of follow, pull that thread and follow that thread to see where it takes you. Because I think a lot of times your panic and your fear of what your portfolio is doing in the market is usually tied to something a little deeper. And so what we want you to do is we want you to find what is that true purpose for your money? Let's design a plan around that purpose. And then let's, let's make sure that no matter what goes on in the markets, you're taken care of for that purpose that you set ahead of yourself. So if that's something you're looking for, if you're looking for an advisor that's going to do something like that, put a plan together for you, those types of things, you can head over to our website, fikeadvisors.com. There's a schedule now button in the top right corner. Click that, go straight to our calendar. You can schedule a time for a phone call or an in-person meeting, whatever you're most comfortable with, and just hear us out. We'll, we'll listen to your story. We'll give you some ideas. And it's a free complimentary appointment. doesn't cost you anything other than your time, of course. But in that case, we just want to help you get to the next step of your financial journey. So fikeadvisors.com, schedule now in the top right corner, head over to the calendar and find something that works for you. Any final thoughts from you, Brad? Yeah, I would say if there's any of our clients listening here that uh, are in emotional uh, state right now, would like to talk about the true purpose for their money. Uh, we can go through a whole conversation over the phone or you can come in we'll go through it and kind of reflect, maybe bring back what we've discussed in the past. Some of you older clients of mine probably may have never experienced a true purpose for money. Hopefully you would because we've been doing that for the last 10 years, right. but there's still some out there that maybe didn't get it or forgotten about it. Uh, I'm open to having that conversation. I'm sure you are with your clients as Absolutely. well. Yeah. Well, and if you are a client and you should have received an invite to one of to our winery event if you're here locally. So definitely RSVP for that coming up here in a few weeks. So if you got that invite in the mail, if you didn't get it in the mail because you're not a client, it's not too late to become one. Um, there's still a couple seats left and uh, we got about 
till the end of the week for RSVP. So if you want to schedule your appointment now, become a Fike Advisors client, you can come to our wine tasting event that's coming up here in a few weeks. But anyway, that's all I got for you. Oh, you got something else. Well, I was just going to say, and don't forget to turn off the gossip news. The gossip I don't news. care what channel you're listening to. It's gossip. Fox, CNN, CNBC. MSNBC. MSNBC. All of them. They're just, they're junk. They're, they're soap operas for adults. I love it. That's exactly what it is. It's it's daytime TV with their fake cliffhangers and their big emotions, <laughs> and you could turn it off for six weeks, turn it back on, and you you Same won't feel crap. like you missed anything. And let me tell you, there's nothing good coming out of it. <laughs> yeah, so turn off your gossip news and enjoy the rest of your week. Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.